Hello, and welcome to The Big D, a podcast about divorce, but also heartbreak generally and finding love again, mostly loving yourself. Let's Go Little Kitty Cat is the inaugural season's finale episode. This is the first time I have done a podcast recording with a live audience, so it's a bit of an experiment. I hope you enjoy the audience reactions to some of the hyping hot tea and feel like you were there with us. This content is rated E, not for everyone, but for explicit, salacious. As B says in the interview, y'all get some scoops. Thank you so much to all of my listeners this season. I'm so inspired by your stories and I can't wait to share what I've got in store for season two. I'll definitely be hosting another live event or two, so stay tuned for those announcements. Okay, Kevin, are we recording? Let's go. Okay, we are recording. Check, yeah, check, check. to the Big D Podcast. Oh, Kevin's saying a little bit louder from the crowd. Welcome to the Big D Podcast. My name is Bailey. If anyone hasn't met me, you probably know me from Miranda's Instagram. Over the last year, I've been like slowly soft launching as her boyfriend. Never hard launching, but slowly soft launching. Um, <laughs> but welcome. We are here to have an amazing night to talk about divorce. So let's give it up for divorce. And we can also give it up for love because this is a podcast that loves love. So let's give it up for love too. Now, it is truly an honor to get to introduce my friend, Posey. Yes, can I say that? Are we friends? She has been called the next Stevie Nicks of the North, the next Celine Dion of Ontario, the next Feist of West Toronto, Bloor West West. Give it up for Posey. All right, how are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> um, so if you're here, I assume that you have listened to Miranda's wonderful podcast. And if you have, you've probably taken some, something from it because you've gone through your own heartbreak, maybe. Um, and so I thought to get this night all started, um, I would hype up all of you with a song about heartbreak because what's more hyped up about that? Um. Ashes from passages of legends untold Rising in parts of me Thank you. 
Thank you. <laughs> um, so a while ago, um, the beautiful person who is Miranda came to me and asked me to write a opening song for her podcast. Um, and we obviously need that for the recording. Um, so I'm going to play it for you tonight. Um, please, please feel free to sing along. And um, <laughs> if you are a big enough fan to know the words. Um, and thank you so much to Miranda for trusting me to do this um, because I think it's a really awesome opportunity. And I'm so happy that we're all here together tonight. <laughs> Once more for Posey. All right. So I was asked to read Miranda's biography tonight, which I have, because on her website or her, you know, LinkedIn. But um, I actually know her pretty well. I'm her Instagram boyfriend. So I think I'll just I'll just go off the cuff. Is that okay with you? Is that okay with y'all? All right. All right, all right. We don't need this. What what do we need to know about Miranda? Well, there's one thing I think that we all do know about Miranda. Everyone who's listened to the podcast knows that our host, Miranda, is married and divorced by age 30. Right? We know that? That's her tagline. Is anyone getting a little tired of hearing that tagline? <laughs> we can, it's on, we're all friends here. We can share it. I'm getting a little tired of that one tagline every week. I'm your host, Miranda. Married and divorced by age 30. So I just thought maybe we could put forward a few suggestions for season two. Yeah. What do you think? Okay, okay, you ready? Okay. So I was thinking maybe for season two, it could go something like, I'm your host, Miranda, child bride since 2011. <laughs> okay, or maybe you wanna go like, okay, we could go like a, like a wholesome route. You know, you have the beautiful sibling segment. Give it up for the sibling segment. So it could be like, I'm your host, Miranda, running the sibling segment since 1993. Aww, Aww yeah. Or, some way that like we could get to know Miranda a little bit better. My personal favorite could be like, I'm your host, Miranda. Swallowing cum since the age of 15. <laughs> is that the winner? <laughs> she was a child bride, she had to get it in early. So. <laughs> <sighs> No, okay, let's actually introduce Miranda. Miranda is very efficient. She's very good at many things, like this podcast. She has this signature efficiency. Um, I don't know if many of you heard that this summer I actually had the honor of teaching her how to drive. Yeah. Yes, I did. And she took that signature efficiency and she learned how to drive so quickly that it was only by the third day that she managed to below the transmission on my car. <laughs> so you can just add that to the speaker fee for tonight. She has taken that signature efficiency. She got divorced and we, her friends said, Miranda, time to move on. And she took that efficiency and she moved on. And then she moved on again. <laughs> and then she moved on again. And then she moved on again one afternoon on a boat. <laughs> and then she moved on one afternoon under the table of a bar. <laughs> You asked for this. <sighs> She's a Virgo. She goes above and beyond. Every time. Above and beyond. 
like getting divorced and turning it into this amazing podcast. Give it up for this amazing podcast. Taking all that Virgo energy, going above and beyond. We're so proud of you. Sometimes she goes down and beyond. Like the first time she went down on a woman and called us and was like, that was easy. I went down on her for two hours. Give me a gold star. I'm Miranda. Two hours, Miranda. Jesus Christ. Like making everyone else look bad. Okay. Very classic Miranda. You are a legend and we love you. Congratulations on this podcast. Without further ado, your child bride, Miranda. You can hear me? Okay, cool. Wow, I was actually gonna make a joke about my sex life, but um, I don't think that's necessary anymore. Uh, thank you, Bailey, and thank you to everyone for being here in person. Wow, this is really wild to be doing this in front of a live audience since I've just been, we're good? Okay. Uh, recording from my bed for the last six months. Let's do some crowd polls. How much big D energy is in the room tonight? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I can't believe this many people came out to talk about breakups, that's cool. Who here is big D certified? Divorced? Oh, Rachel's divorced, okay, yeah, woo! <laughs> Who had a big breakup in 2021? Rachel's about it. Okay, okay. Welcome to the club, everyone. And to our allies, also welcome. That's you, couples. Welcome, don't overstay. Um, just kidding, just kidding. I love love. The podcast is neutral to marriage and pro-love. Okay, yeah, let's give the couples a round of applause. Yeah, woo, shout out, couples. Um, I am so excited to see the faces of so many friends here tonight. My boss is here, woo! And former bosses are here, yeah. And my former employee is here. It's, uh, yeah, it's a good time. Okay, the last time that I had so many people that I love in one room was uh, for my wedding, which was, you know, this is some delightful irony. I, I think, you know, like, wow, this is incredible. Uh, so if anyone was here or is here and was at my wedding, can you please identify yourselves with a fuck that guy? Fuck that guy! <laughs> okay, I really needed that for my personal healing, thank you. Okay, I am really excited to introduce our season finale guest. B. Kwame is a writer, radio host, and public speaker. From her first blog, 83 to Infinity, focusing on natural hair care, health and wellness, arts and culture, to The Brown Sugar Mama, a blog focused on motherhood from the perspective of a black Canadian mom, that's her, to bylines in The Globe, Chatelaine Men's Health, McLean's Refinery29, Zora, which is one of my personal favorites. She's no stranger to the written word. She's also no stranger to using her voice. She was the host of The Cultured Show on AM640 for three years, and you can watch her regularly on CTV, and uh, CTV's The Social and CBC. But she doesn't stop there. She is also parenting her two daughters, and engaged in the community. She participates as a mentor in programs for young girls and women of color and hosts events surrounding feminism in film. In fact, I first saw Bee uh, hosting a drunk feminist films event. I think it was Love Actually, maybe 2019, but maybe before that too, I don't know. Uh, and she also hosts events uh, celebrating natural hair and diversity in media. So let's get her up here next to me. Please give a warm welcome to B. 
thank you. Here we thank are. Thank you. Here we are. Here we are. We're going to talk about divorce. <laughs> um, so we've, we've got her, right? We, we've got her? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to introduce this first segment. It is an empathy exercise that we are all going to participate in together. B is going to tell her story uninterrupted. Sometimes it's a little awkward for the storyteller because we're not used to speaking this way. And sometimes it's a little awkward for us as the listeners because we're used to interjecting with questions. But we're all just gonna hold B in this moment. That doesn't mean you need to be quiet. Feel free to respond with oohs and ahs and snaps or you know casual swearing. Whatever you think is appropriate um, and will support B in this moment. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, audience, ready. you ready to get started? All right, so I'll just preface this by saying um, there's gonna be things that I'm gonna say in this room that I haven't said outside of friends and family. Um, but I'm not gonna turn this into a therapy session, so don't worry about secondhand embarrassment. It's not, it's not gonna go down like that. Um, but this is a really great opportunity for me to be really authentic and transparent, um, and this is a good way for me to kind of shed things at the end of the year and move into um, you know, something new. So I'm, I'm grateful for this space, so thank you. Where do I start? Um, you know, had the story of, not like high school sweethearts, because that wasn't the situation, but met this fabulous guy when I was like 19, and I was from London, Ontario, and he was from Scarborough, and I was like, oh, Toronto men, this is just amazing. <laughs> um, I don't know if anybody's from London, Ontario, but most of the black people in, is there somebody from London here? Oh my goodness, hi, <laughs> neighbors. Well. The thing is, when you're growing up in London, at least when I grew up in London, most of the black people I ended up seeing and like the cute guys I'd see at the grocery store, my mom would be like, that's your cousin. That's your second cousin. That's your, and I'm like, okay, so this is just not gonna happen for me in London. Um, but you know, fell in love, uh, dated for a while, broke up. It was a, you know, my first romance, my first breakup, and it was tumultuous, and I hated him, and it was like, I'm never gonna speak to him again. We ended up getting married some years later, so obviously <laughs> I did speak to him again. And you know, things were amazing. Things were really amazing. Um, this was somebody who knew me inside and out, knew so many pieces of me, uh, who I was, what I liked, what I didn't like, uh, in just a really comfortable way, in a really, really comfortable way. We, had, we got married in 2011, and it was, a fabulous day, it was amazing. And uh, I still look at like my, I don't know if you do this, but I love my wedding dress, like I still love it. Yeah. And I will like look at pictures in my wedding dress and be like, you are a bad bitch. Like yeah. you are a bad bitch at the wedding. <laughs> Doesn't matter what happened after that, but that day you were a bad bitch. Um, and we ended up having our first daughter in 2014. And after having my first daughter, I suffered from really severe postpartum depression. And I, knew something was wrong, but it didn't present the way it presented when I read about postpartum depression in you know, parenting magazines and all those things. I didn't hate my baby. I didn't you know, feel disconnected from her. I wasn't annoyed by hearing her cry. I literally felt so self-loathsome, like this little baby is perfect and does not deserve me because I'm mm. not a good enough mother. And I didn't say anything to anybody for a while, and I thought that I was just skating by normal until my sister-in-law called kind of like a mini family intervention with me, my husband, um, and, and his mom, and was like, something's going on, and you need to get some help. So anyways, I ended up going into therapy and dealing with postpartum depression and, and got to a really good place, and had our second daughter in 2017. Now, I knew what to look out for for postpartum depression, and I didn't feel those things, but I started developing this anxiety. And mm -hmm. I've had depression and like chronic depression and anxiety yeah. since I was a teen, but this was really different. And I remember uh, just odd things, like I would speak really, really fast, so fast that I would start to trip over my own words and I couldn't get my words out, but I was just speaking so quickly. Uh, you know, I was afraid to leave the house, 
unless we all left. Everybody had to go together to the grocery store. Everybody had to go together to the gas station. I didn't want to go by myself. I didn't want to take the kids anywhere by myself. And I got to the point where I actually just didn't want to leave the house at all. And I did what everybody told me I should have done the first time, which was open up, speak, talk. So I was always talking to my husband about it and telling him how I felt and talking to my family and, and got into therapy again and dealt with that. And you know now we have the two kids and there's a whole lot of stuff that happened in between that. There was like job switches and job losses and me going full-time freelance and uh, you know different parts of my career really taking off and so many different things happening. And then you've got these two little ones in the mix and it's like what's date night and what's this and what's that? Those things don't exist anymore or they look very different. So it was a really uh, wild time of a lot of different types of transitions. But for me, communication was always the biggest thing. So I'm like, I will communicate till I'm blue in the face because I don't like to be misunderstood. That is my number one pet peeve. I never want to feel misunderstood. So I will communicate all day to make sure you understand me. And you know, I started noticing things were getting a little bit different where uh, you know, my husband, he had a full-time job and had a side hustle and the side hustle was taking up a lot of time. And he was out of the house a lot and doing a lot of like, it was like nightlife events and things. So he'd be out and of course I'm home with the kids because I've got two babies and I'm breastfeeding and I can't be in the clubs and doing all this stuff. So this is what it is. And um, one day he said to me, just randomly, he was pulling out of the driveway to go to an event and he told me he wasn't happy. And I was like, oh, you're not happy with the event? You're not happy with, and he's like, no, with us. I just feel like we don't have enough time together. And I was like, okay, well, that kind of came out of left field because I had been the one saying, I feel like we're not spending enough time together because he was so busy outside of the house. So I thought, okay, well, we'll make some changes. So we talked about it a lot. I, now looking back, I realized I talked a lot. I wasn't getting a lot back on the other side. Uh, but I was determined to make it work and determined to make whatever changes need to be made in order to, to get things right and to get things back to where they were before. And, you know, it seemed like we were getting to a good place. This is now, I would say, the end of 2018. All right, so it's about, yeah, we're almost at Christmas, so it's about this time of year, 2018, Christmas Day. We are at uh, a family get-together for Christmas. And my oldest daughter wanted to speak to a cousin who lives in the States. So this cousin's on her dad's side, so he calls up on FaceTime and the kids are talking and it was really loud. So I said, let me pull her into the other side room so that she can have some quiet time to talk. And she's sitting on my lap and she's got the phone and then I see a text message pop up from a woman's name that I don't know. And it says like, why are you ignoring me? And I was like, who asked that question on Christmas Day? Like, what the hell are you talking about? It's Christmas, like, who are you, first of all? And yeah, you're gonna be ignored, it's Christmas Day. Um, so I was like, that's kind of weird. And so my daughter, like, you know kids, they like, these new kids now are different. Like, they know how to know, they know the technology. So my daughter's like, oh, that's in the way. So she swiped the text off, like, so she could see her cousin's face. And so I was just like, okay, that was kind of odd. And. Um, I'm an Android girl, he's an iPhone guy, so I was like, I don't know how to use this phone, but when she hung up from the FaceTime, it popped back up to the text message. So what I did was I took my phone out and I took a picture of the screen. And I was like, I'm gonna keep this, and I'm gonna bring it up later, and because if it's something that's gonna get deleted, no, it's not, because I took a picture of it. And uh, we had a talk that night, and I brought up the name, and I said, who is so-and-so? And when I tell you, Oscars needed to be handed out. <laughs> Oscars needed to be handed out because he was like, oh my goodness, she's so annoying. It's this woman who wants tickets to this event that we're doing. And first she wants five tickets, then she wants a booth, then she wants bottle service, then she wants... And it sounded so plausible because this is what he does. And I know that people will contact him with all kinds of wild requests for things. So I believed it. There's like the angel on my shoulder that's like, you guys have been going through a lot, you trust your husband, don't ask him any more about it. And then the devil was like, okay, ask him to show you the text messages then. If that's who it is, if that's all it is, let him show you the text message conversations. Yeah. And then I went with the angel, right? The devil was like, you stupid bitch, why did you do that? <laughs> but that, so I left it at that, so that was Christmas day. Left it at that, 
Um, we ended up going to London for a few days to see my family, and it was great. And uh, we came back the day, January 2nd, day after New Year's. And I put the kids to bed, and he was downstairs in the basement doing laundry, and he knew I was upstairs, so he had sent me a text message asking me to come downstairs uh, when I was done with the kids. And I was like, all right, no problem. So I go down, thinking he needs help with like folding the laundry or whatever. And he proceeds to tell me he cheated on me. And it was with this woman who had sent the text message, and a baby was going to come out of it. <laughs> Somebody saying, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy! <laughs> and for me, it's wild to actually say this to people who yeah. I don't even know, because yeah. I literally have not said that. A, a, a lot of people know that we're not together, but not knowing the reason why. But now, I mean, his son is, is two years old, and there are pictures out there, and you know, yeah. they're doing their thing. So it's kind of like, okay, there's a clear reason why. And I don't like to put that on an innocent child, but it's like, th that's the truth of the situation, right? right. So, um, so I found out about that, and that was the beginning. That's how I started 2019. I was like, happy new year to me, yay. And it was months of, um, you know, just trying to navigate what I was going to do and how I was going to take care of my two girls and, and what did this mean. Um, and just to fast forward, because I know we're going to probably talk more in depth about all this stuff, but uh, I ended up realizing, it was really, really strange how I realized, like, okay, no, I'm going to be done. Um, I was hosting a maternal health uh, conference mm. in downtown Toronto, and one of the presenters was this brilliant doctor who was talking about the effects of stress on pregnancy and the effects of increased cortisol levels mm -hmm. in, the, in the mother um, and how that affects the baby. And all I could think about was this woman who I didn't know, who apparently did know about me and felt no ways about it, so there's that. Um, but all I could think about was this baby being affected by the cortisol levels of this woman who is navigating a pregnancy by herself because she slept with somebody else's husband. Mm. And I thought, I just need to, I'm not the important person in this picture. There's a baby coming out of this that needs a father, and he's an amazing father. Um, mm. And I, I can't be part of this because there's no way that I could I know myself. I would never be mean or rude or cruel to that child, but there would be something in me that would have a block there. Mm -hmm. And that's not something to put on a child. So I said, okay, there's trust issues and all these different types of things, but that was the moment, thinking about cortisol levels, where I was like, okay, no, no, I can't do this. And that's when I said, okay, well, it's going to be a separation, and, and this is going to be the end of it. Um, and it's been, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting few years. He's moved on not with that woman, but with somebody else, which is a whole other story. My life has been like a Tyler Perry play. Like, <laughs> it really has been in a lot of ways. Like, I tell people kind of the full, full stories, and people are like, okay, is this fiction? Or, and I was like, no, no, no. I should have been on like Sally, Jesse, Raphael, or like one of those like wild daytime talk shows back in the day, because it's kind of, yeah, it, it's kind of wild. But, um, but yeah, you know, you, you go through something like that and, and it's a weird place to be in because my kids are seven and four, my daughters, and they love their little brother and I hear about their little brother all the time mm. and I'm happy that they're happy and, and you know, we, we have conversations in, in child appropriate ways about the changes that have happened with me and their father and moving situations and different things, but it's just this weird thing because now they have this different family unit with him and, and his new partner. And when they're with me, it's just me. But when they're with dad, it's dad and so-and-so and, and the brother and this and the that. And um, you know, it brings, it, it makes you think about things in, in really, really interesting ways that we probably don't have enough time to talk about tonight. But, um, but yeah, I, I, but I feel like, you know, coming up on a few years past that moment of literally seeing that text message just come up on Christmas Day, yeah. which is why I don't really do anything for Christmas since, hmm. which is fine. I'm okay with that until I figure out how to make a new ritual, but 
Um, I'm okay with having that date to myself, and, uh, but I feel healthier now mm. than I, I have any other time before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I'll stop there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for yeah, sharing you. that with me and with everyone. Mm. Um, I was talking to a friend a couple of weeks ago about how betrayal mm -hmm. is the hardest thing to heal from. It mm -hmm. can take the longest time, and it yeah. doesn't necessarily need to be um, infidelity. Right. But yeah. there's different it, types of betrayal. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What has that healing journey been like for you? Ooh, that's been tough um, because with it being rooted in infidelity for me, there's obviously like self-esteem issues that come out of that, right? And, um, and the constant pondering of like, what could I have done different or what was wrong with me or, or you know, what was better about this other person and, and all of those types of things. And it's really hard to not just rebuild trust in other people, but rebuild trust in myself. So I was just reading something the other day that was talking about ways to kind of combat imposter syndrome and different mm. things like that, and saying like, tell yourself the positive things, even if you know you're lying in the moment. <laughs> like, your brain lies to you when it tells you the bad things. Yeah. So why not lie to your brain and tell yourself the good things? But I couldn't trust myself to tell myself the good things. And yeah. I couldn't trust myself that you know, I, I would talk to my mother, my aunts, my, my, I call her my mother-in-love now instead of mother-in-law because we're still extremely close. Mm. Um, and, and they're all so excited about me being back on the dating scene and when I get remarried and this and that, and they're all so excited. And for the longest time, I was like, I don't know if I have good judgment. Yeah. Because, yeah, really, because it's like looking back, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, mm -hmm. right? Looking back, I see so many things that were like clear warning signs, like the red flag, like waving, like, hello, you're in a circus tent. Like, this is your life right now. And I was just like, do, 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 do. let me just figure out how to make everything perfect. So the betrayal, the most surprising thing about it has been how do I rebuild my trust in myself yeah. before I can rebuild trust in somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one for me, too. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about anger a little bit. You talked about do it. it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's, yeah. Um, so, anger for me is generally a very motivating feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and I especially feel anger when something is unjust. Yes. Socially, but also in interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, my friends say that uh, I'm a bit of a bulldog when it comes to loyalty, uh, okay. but I found that since my separation, in some ways, not all, but in some, I've been more loyal to my ex than I have to myself. Mm -hmm. um, so how have you experienced anger over the last three years? So I've had a really complicated relationship with anger. Um, obviously, the beginning, I was extremely angry all the time. And I've never felt my body like that, yeah. where it was just constant rage in my body all the time. Because he, he told me, and we were still in the house. I mean, I, I left for a little bit and took like a weekend or whatever. But like, I've got two young kids. and. Yeah. You know, my, my oldest one was going to school. So it's like, I can't just pick up and go to London. Um, and, and I was determined. I'm like, you are not leaving me here with these two kids to deal with them. So your ass is staying in the house to take this one to school and to do this and to do that. Yeah. Um, so until we get things figured out, this is what it's going to be. But I was just in such constant rage that did not feel healthy at all. Mm. And I remember going to my therapist. And we had made some really great headway on the postpartum anxiety. And I was like, so guess what? <laughs> and she's like, what? And I was like, my husband cheated on me, and he's got a baby on the way. And she's like, oh, I need another notebook. And I was like, yeah, you do. Um, and to be honest, something that we've been working on, still working on, is my relationship with anger. Mm. So I will hold anger inside. Mm. And 
what you said about being loyal to your ex is really interesting because I have withheld so much anger mm -hmm. in this situation, not out of a means of protecting him or, or anything like that, uh, but I come from divorced parents. Mm. And I remember the anger in the house, and I remember the fights, and mm. I remember the traumatic things that my parents probably don't think I even was awake for or mm. noticed. And I was determined to not have that dynamic in the house right. with my two girls. And I think I got a little too good at masking the anger for their sake, because it's still something that I struggle with with letting it out, because I, I literally almost feel this block. Like, him and I might be talking, or there's a conversation, there's something going on, and I feel it bubbling up inside me, and it can't, it doesn't come out. It doesn't come out, and then it kind of just boomerangs back on me, and then I end up, you know, in you know, crises and stress. And I thought I was having a stroke last summer because of stress and and the anger and holding on to it. But I constantly think about my kids, and I'm like, I don't want them to hear me swearing. I don't want them to hear me yelling. Yeah. Um, I don't want them to see me a certain way because I know what it was like when I saw that with my parents. So I know that that's not a healthy way to to navigate anger. Um, so I'm, I'm still working on how do I, like I feel it, but how do I express it? That's still, that's still really a struggle for me. But it's, it's one that I'm determined to like nail down because it's like, it's not fair for me to carry this. Yeah. I didn't do this, so it's not fair for me to carry this yeah. by myself. And I have all right to be angry, um, even if it didn't come down to infidelity, but you have all right to be angry when you Absolutely. think of your life a certain way and something happens and that changes it, right? Like we, you can, you can have all of the great kind of cliche things that things happen for a reason and mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a bigger picture and there's different things, but it's like you can still be angry. We don't have to toxic yeah. positivity our way out of everything. We yeah. can be fucking angry about it, yeah. right? So, yeah. yeah. So I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm working on it. Yeah, well I do think that anger can be motivating and can really Definitely. help you get things done, Definitely. including healing. Yes. Yeah. You need it to kind of, it's like that fire that kind Positive of cleanses outlets. You. Exactly. Positive yes, outlets. Exactly. Yes. Yes. You need anger. that. Yeah, you yeah. need that. Okay. So let's back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. You wrote publicly about your divorce first in 2019 mm -hmm. and then a year and a half ago in mm -hmm. 2020. Yeah. This is the first time that you've spoken publicly about the infidelity. Mm -hmm. Why did you decide to tell that part of the story now? I think I'm, I've gotten to a point where I, I don't feel like the infidelity reflects negatively on me anymore. I don't carry that shame anymore. Yeah. Um, I carried a lot of shame before, which is why I was like, I'm, I'm not going to really explain what happened. Uh, but then like, you know, my husband's posting on Instagram with like his three kids and people are like, I know B only has two, so where'd this little one come from that's almost the same age as her little one? And it's like, yeah, yeah not from me. So it's like, when you have kind of like a human representative, then it's kind of like, what's the point of hiding, right? Like, it yeah. is what it is. But I think the bigger thing for me was I don't feel that shame in saying that this is what happened and this is why our marriage ended. Um, and, and that's something I wasn't ready to put out there in my writing. Yeah. The other thing too is like with having my kids, and just knowing the way of the world and knowing like the internet lives forever and screenshots are forever and everything is forever, I, I think about them as well. Like this yeah. is part of their story that they aren't even able to understand fully right now. And I think about what's it gonna be like in you know 10 years, 15 years when they're older and I, I keep everything. I keep copies of like print magazines and newspapers and I save all my PDFs of my like digital stuff in case websites like up and disappear. And I have all these things for them to read because I want them to see all of this work that mommy did and does and I want them to be proud of it all. But there's this fine line that you have to navigate between like I'm telling my story but my story intersects with so many other people's stories. So how do I keep them safe? Mm -hmm while still being authentic to my story? Or how do I ensure that I'll have a way to explain that to them later? Because mm -hmm. right now they don't understand, like they, they know they've got a baby brother and he has a different mom, but they don't understand what that means in terms of betrayal and stuff. My four-year-old thinks that 
my dad and or, or her dad and I are not together because of COVID. Yeah, she just asked me that the other day if we moved into a different house because of COVID. And I said, no, baby, that's not why. And she said, okay, well, when COVID is done, are we gonna move back in together? And I was like, no, baby, that's, that's not why. There's different reasons and mommy and daddy have different lives and, but we're still, you know, I still drive the point yeah. home. We're still a family. And she's like, oh yes. And she names like her sister and her brother and daddy's new girlfriend. And, and I'm like, well, we're doing a little too much right now. <laughs> we're doing a little too much. We're not, I'm just like, I'm your mommy and you're my daughter and I love you and it's gonna be good. But, but yeah, I think it's just the, the biggest thing for me was not holding that shame anymore in yeah. saying that this is what happened, this is what the end of our relationship came down to. And you know, so it's, what's really funny about that is people will ask me questions that I don't have the answer to. Mm. Oh my God, how could he cheat on you? Girl, I don't know. That's what I, <laughs> bitch, that's what I was trying to find out. I don't understand. Like, why are you asking me? Go ask him. Like, I, I would like to know. When you yeah. find out, you let me know because oh I didn't really get a good reason for that. Um, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, the shame thing is, is gone and, and it is what it is. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the greatest pieces of relief for me has been no longer being somehow held responsible for my mm. ex's decisions. Like, yes. oh, I didn't hear from him. Uh, why hasn't he texted me back? What's, a, what's he up to? I'm like, I don't know. You're like, I'm That's not in charge of that anymore. That's not my business. <laughs> exactly. Go figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, and it's actually such a relief. It is a relief. It is a relief. And you know what's another thing that's a relief? Now that you mentioned that, just thinking about, talking about infidelity and stuff and releasing the shame. There's kind of this weird freedom for me in, in getting to the point of realizing that when it comes to infidelity and cheating, um, I mean, you could, you could be like Cirque du Soleil and hanging off chandeliers every night. You could cook the best dinner every night. You could do all of the things that you are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And if that person is enticed by something else, they're gonna do what they're gonna do. And on one hand, for the longest time, I struggled with that because I was just like, well, shit, what's the point of like being in any relationship then if somebody's just gonna up and do whatever they wanna do? But then there was this click of, like relief, like you said, in realizing like, it's out of my hands. Yeah. Like the stress for me was trying to figure out what do I do to fix things? What do I do mm. to make myself better? What do I do to fix who I am so I don't ever have to deal with this again? Yeah. And it's like, girl, it doesn't matter what you do because that other person is gonna do what they wanna do. Yeah. And so there's a freedom in that. There's a there freedom is. in just being like, I'm who I am, if that's enough for you, cool. When that's not enough for you, you let me know. Yep. But if you handle that by doing something else, like that's on you, that, yep. that has nothing to do with me. So it's like this thing that was really scary at first, but is now really freeing at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is great. Oh, I'm glad, good. I'm like, I don't know if I'm like saying too much, doing too much. I, I hope know. nobody's like, I hope there's no secondhand embarrassment. Cause I'm, okay, no. good. <laughs> Okay, great. So uh, I'm a storyteller. You're a storyteller. Mm -hmm. Words mean a lot to both of us. Yes, yes. Was the writing process a part of your healing or, or did it feel separate? Oh, no, it was definitely, especially that first essay that I wrote um, for Zora, which is part of uh, Medium. Mm -hmm. um, that was really a healing process for me because that was the first time I had said anything. Mm. I didn't do any like, you know, subtweets. I didn't do any shady like Facebook things. I didn't take down all those pictures off my Instagram. I didn't do any of the things where people are like, ooh, what's going on? I didn't do any of that. Yeah. So literally the first time people outside of like my immediate family and like maybe like my four closest friends, the, the first time anybody knew anything was happening was when this essay gets published. Yeah. And I wanted it to be that way because I wanted to, I mean, not that I'm like Beyonce or anything, but I love how Beyonce, Beyonce Tell comes me. up in all my stuff. Tell but me. the way Beyonce like controls her narrative, yes. even if you feel it's like heavy handed, she does that to control her narrative. Yeah. And I was like, I wanna control my narrative. So I don't wanna do it in a way where 
you know, people are going to be like whispering and wondering, oh, what does this mean? And oh, yeah. is she wearing her ring in the picture? And is she doing that? Like, I didn't want that. Yeah. I wanted it to be like, this is me saying what's happening in the way I want to say it. And that's what that piece gave me. It's really funny because the first draft that I wrote was definitely something that should have just gone to my therapist. <laughs> and my editor was amazing in that she was like, so this is really passionate. <laughs> But I think, you know, you might want to think about some things. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, let me put this in the journal. And this is not for public consumption. Let me just try this a different way. And, um, and, and what's really interesting is, my, like I said, my parents um, divorced. And there was infidelity there. There's infidelity on a um, significant part of like my ex-husband's side of the family. Like, infidelity and divorce or the decision to stay through it all, mm. have played in almost all of the older relationships I've seen in my family. And having those women read the piece that I wrote mm. and have them kind of live through me in a way, in terms of me making a decision that some of them wish they could have made, mm. um, or me speaking about things in a way they wish they had words to speak mm. in, in their day. Um, that was something that was really unexpected and a really unexpected part of my healing um, because I kind of went into this feeling like, well, I'm the young one joining the team of, you know, the women in the family who are going through divorce or have been cheated on or whatever. But yeah. hearing them realize and, and say that they've, they've learned things from me mm. and they're looking at me as like, you know, somebody who's doing things the way they wish they had the strength or the ability or the capacity to do uh, was really, really interesting. And, and that was something that really pushed me in a big way in, in my healing as well, just to kind of get that support in a different way. So yeah, the writing was 100%. And it, it still remains um, a way to kind of work through things and, and heal. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. In promoting the event, mm -hmm. you said that you wanted to talk about rebuilding your life. Mm -hmm. So what did you mean when you say that? What does it mean to rebuild your life? I don't even know how to like capture all of that right now. But I think the thing that has stuck in my mind like, and why I said it in, in promoting the event was um, I remember a few months ago, maybe sometime last year, I saw um, an ad for a show coming out on like, I don't know if it was OWN or W Network or whatever. And it was the show, and it was called like Beside Her Man or something like that. And it was like going to profile these different celebrity couples who have gone through public situations in their relationships mm. and, and talk about the woman who's decided to stay through it all. Mm. I think it was actually mm. OWN Network, because I literally tweeted to Oprah. And I was like, if you want to talk to the woman who like went through it and left, yes. holler at me. Like, none of the stand by your man shit when he does all this bullshit. Like, let's talk to the women who like figure yeah. out what to do when they don't want to be a part of that mess anymore. Yes. And that was, like I said, I mean, I got to the point where I was like, OK, well, there's, there's not going to be a relationship here anymore. Um, we, we sold our house. I ended up moving back to my mom's in London for a while. My daughters were just like, we're spending the summer at Yaya's. And I was like, that's right. Like, yes. mom is trying to figure out what the hell is going to happen next. But we're spending the summer with Yaya. And, um, and, and just trying to figure out, like, OK, so how do I make this work? Um, I'm, I'm a freelancer, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm mm -hmm. like hustling, and all these things. How am I going to get my own place? How am I going to do these different things? And it was like. Piece by piece, mm -hmm. little things started falling into place where I was able to be like, okay, you know, big contracts and different things came up. And I was like, okay, now I don't need to live in somebody's like rat infested basement. I can actually get like a nice apartment. I got my place. Um, Want to talk about rebuilding? I didn't have any furniture mm. when I moved in because I was in such a daze when we sold our house. Um, and, and my ex was staying in the city, and so everything got put into storage. And he ended up getting his place before I got mine. Mm. So he ended up being able to like furnish his place with a lot of our stuff. And I didn't think about it until I was like, wait a minute, I have a place now. Where's my couch? Yeah. Like, where's my bedroom set? And I was like, oh, yeah, you didn't, you didn't think about any of that. So it was like literally rebuilding everything, like buying all the tangible things. Um, and then thinking about 
how do I how do I move forward? Even things like changing like your emergency contacts. Yep. You know, like there's that moment where it's like, oh yeah, him, and I was like, no, not him. Mm-hmm. Who? Okay, maybe mom. Is that am I a loser? Like my mom, my yeah, emergency yeah, contact. Yeah. But it's like it is what it is, right? Um, but I think there is much more of a story to be told about people who face these trials and tribulations in their relationships, their marriages. And you know, we get that narrative that like, you're supposed to stick through it and you know, till death do you part and you're just supposed to just take everything and just, just live with it. And it's like, what if I decide I don't wanna live with that and what I want is to live in something better that I can create for myself? Where are those stories? Where are those narratives yeah. to show how you do that, right? Yeah. And it's so funny because I was literally just um, going through a journal of mine from 2019. And I look back at that and I'm like, this girl was just a shell of herself when I read the things that I was writing. And I think it was my birthday, 2019. And all I, all I remember doing that day was just writing in my journal and just writing like, kind of manifestations and prayers and things that I hope for mm-hmm. in, for the future. Because at that point, um, the house had sold, but we hadn't actually left yet. And I, all I knew next was I was going to my mom's. I didn't know anything after that. And literally looking back at that now, at the end of 2021, everything I wrote down on that list has come to pass. Wow. Everything I said that I wanted <laughs> has happened. That's yeah. So. You can rebuild your life. Yeah. It takes a lot of support. It takes a lot of people to understand that there are going to be days that you can't power through. There, you know, prior to the pandemic, it was easier to have you know, my mom or like my, my mother-in-law come and take the girls and, and help me with them so I could have that time to myself um, as I needed it. But it, you know, it takes a team, but you can do it. You can definitely yeah. do it, and you don't have to put up with the things that other parts of society tell you you're just supposed to put up with for the sake of having a man or whatever it is. It's like, no, thank you. (laughs) So you didn't get a call back from OWN? No, not yet. Not yet. But, you know, we'll we'll work it out. We're going to inspire them. Oh, for sure. For sure. We'll work it out. Oprah will be calling me soon enough. (laughs) Um, So you said that you were reflecting on what you'd written, feeling like that was a a shell of yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you are 100% B now? I don't know because I feel so different. Yeah. I feel so different now. I remember, you know, um, so we, we sold the house in like June and in August I had a girl's trip and went with my good girlfriends to Barbados. Mm. And they were like, we're going to Barbados, we're going to crop over, doing carnival, playing mass. You're gonna have a great time. There's sexy men in Barbados. You're gonna like get, be Stella getting her groove back. And I was like, my <laughs> vagina is broken. It's not, nothing's going down in Barbados. Um, but we were having all these conversations about like, they're so excited for me to get back into the dating scene. And you know, and I was like, I'm not getting back into anything. I'm a totally different person than I was the last time I was single, right? When I was like in my mid twenties or my late twenties or whatever. Um, So I feel like I'm getting to more of a fullness of who this new person is. Yeah. I'm not ever going to be the old B, but I feel myself getting to a place where instead of leading with, like looking in the mirror and leading with, oh yeah, you're that girl whose husband did whatever and like you're going through your divorce. Like I don't lead with that anymore. There are so many other things about me mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh yeah, and then there's that too, but like who cares about that? You know, yeah. like, um, so I feel like I'm getting more to a fullness of who this new person is and, and I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited about that, so. Yeah. yeah. I like the people. Everybody's so nice. Right? Oh, yeah, I think, you know, in, in doing this podcast, I've been a little self-conscious mm-hmm. that people are going to think that I define myself by this right. incident. Yeah. Which, you know, is a part of the tagline, like, Miranda, married and divorced before <laughs> age 30. Right. Um, but I'm really doing it because 
there isn't a space for this conversation exactly. to be frank and honest, like really. Really honest. Really honest. Exactly. And um, it has been a part of my healing. I know it's been a part of other people's healing. Yeah. And I am a storyteller, and storytelling is a part of how I contribute to social change and yeah. in community. And I think that that's an important space to hold together with other people. For sure, for sure. Um, oh, oh my, I have so many questions, okay. Mm -hmm. um, but we need to wrap up soon. Okay, so back to Stella and how she got her group back. <laughs> yes. What has dating been like? Woo, okay. Best, sto be best story, worst story? Okay, um, okay. I think the worst, what would I say is the worst? Probably the first date that I went on after being separated um, was a guy who I knew from high school and I ran into randomly on like the King Street car. And we went out on a great date that kind of turned into a high school reunion when like another friend came along and then I was like, okay, hey, the three of us are hanging out now. But then we went to dinner and then he was really romantic. And I was like, okay, I guess this is a date. And then he said he had to leave early because his girlfriend needed some food and he had to bring food home to her. But then he messaged me the next day and said, I looked really great and he can't wait to do it again. And I was like, is this what dating is now? Because this is too confusing for me. I don't want any parts of this if this is the situation. So that was definitely a, a downer for me. And I think much more traumatic being like the first date where I was like, ooh, I'm going yeah. on my first date. And I was like, what the fuck is this? So, um, but you know, there's, there's good and bad and they all make for great stories, so. They do make for great yes, stories. Yes, they make for very good stories. Um, okay, last question. Mm -hmm. We've already been talking about this a little bit. Um, how has your relationship with yourself changed? Mm. What has that, the whole arc been like? Wow. So I think my arc starts even before I knew about anything, mm. um, you know, being amiss in, in my marriage, where it was constant, um, I, I just saw myself as constantly not enough, mm. constantly lacking something, and feeling like I was playing this game of catch up, like I didn't realize I had gotten behind but I need to catch up, I need to get with the program, I need to start doing things properly, I need to start being the right type of wife, I need to start doing these things because I had my head in the clouds with babies and postpartum this and that and I didn't realize that I should be keeping up. So I, I, I feel like the arc started there where I was just like, okay, something's going on, this is not working and it's my fault. Then we get to, okay, here's what's actually happening in your marriage and, and there's actually somebody else involved in your relationship now. Um, and I would say that's just a whole period of blankness. Hmm. Blankness and anger. Um, there's a lot that I don't remember from, from that time, from 2019. There's a lot that I don't remember. Um, and I don't know unless I read my journal to remember certain things or you know, actually look at my Instagram sometimes to remember things I've done. There's blanks. Yeah. And all I remember sometimes is just the anger. Um, then we get to, all right, we're separated now. I'm with my mom. And then that's, that's the shell. That's the girl who's the shell where she's in that safe space now where I'm with people who love me and care for me and who know what's going on, so I'm not carrying the secret. Uh, but I'm a shell, and I don't really know. I'm very fragile. Then we get into this phase where, like I said, things started kind of coming together. I got my new place. I started feeling like I'm kind of getting my feet back into the game. And then that's rediscovery, I would call that. Mm. Rediscovery of everything. Rediscovery of myself. Rediscovery of what can my life look like now? Like going to Ikea and like getting furniture and realizing like it was kind of sad because I was like, I don't have somebody to ask, what do you think of this couch and do you think this will look good? But then I was like, but I don't have anybody to ask. I can just do what I want to do. So there's a moment where I'm like, am I going to cry or am I happy about this in Ikea, right? And, and I was happy about it. Yeah. So I would say then, then we get into the rediscovery phase where I'm rediscovering all of the possibilities of who I can be and what my life can look like and what it can look like with my two girls. 
And I think I'm kind of on the upward trajectory of that now, of mm. continuing that rediscovery and, and not feeling like a shell, feeling full, yeah. feeling full. Um, there's, a, there's a poem that I love. Nikki Giovanni is one of my favorite mm. poets. And um, she has this amazing poem called A Poem for a Lady Whose Voice I Like. Mm. And at the end of it, it's kind of a conversation between a man and a woman. And at the end of it, the man says to the woman, um, you, you, you think you're pretty full of yourself, don't you? And she was like, show me who's not full of herself and I'll show you a hungry person. So I always think of being full of myself because I'm not hungry anymore. I'm not hungry for you know, playing that catch up game. I'm not hungry because I feel I'm lacking anymore. I'm not hungry because I'm a shell anymore. Yeah. I'm full of myself. In, in the best way possible, and, and yeah, I like it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Thank B. you, thank you, like, and thank all of you. Like, this was, this is amazing. This is honestly like, a turning point for me. So thank you for creating this space and like you said, creating this room to have these like real yeah. conversations. Like literally there's things I've said in here that I haven't said to yeah. anyone other than, you know, four good friends and like my mom, right? <laughs> so so y'all got some scoops. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Um, every single time that I interview someone, talk to someone, I, I'm really struck with their vulnerability and yours tonight doing it live is huge. Um, so thank you so much for that. Um, and thank you to the audience for being present with us tonight. Thank you. Um, yes. Give yourself applause. Um, I also want to thank everyone who helped to make this happen. Uh, the team at Reed's Distillery, including Graham and Jacqueline, my boss. You have an incredible business, and uh, this venue was perfect for tonight, so thank you. And to my darling friend, Bailey, who emceed the beginning. <laughs> My, my pandemic bubble wife. I trust you with my reputation. Well, I wrote that before, so. Uh, <laughs> but I also trust you with my life, and that's more important. So, okay. Uh, to Posey. Um, thank you for sharing the gift of your gorgeous voice and words. Uh, you and your music embodies so much big D energy. Um, and I am so glad that you stole your ex-boyfriend's girlfriend. And Kevin, Kevin is one of my oldest friends. Um, and he got the equipment for tonight, donated. He ran all of the sound and the recording. And uh, you know what? Okay, here's a little tidbit for y'all. I used to say that my marriage was all thanks to Kevin because he introduced me and my ex. But now we can all say the big D is thanks to you, Kevin. So thank you. And uh, thank you to all of my friends for being here tonight.